space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot, and joining us this week is Doctor Squee. Happy Wednesday, Mini Spock. <laughs> Mini Spock. Oh, which one's that? Is that a? Oh, it's not a. What is it? Is it? It's not a Funko Pop. It's a different. Uh, Titans. Oh yeah, I think I've got evil. I think I've got Mirror Spock version of that with his little goatee. It was. A- it was four ninety nine, I think it was on sale, so <laughs> yeah, mine were mine, mine were cheap as well. So yeah, I was happy with that. Right. Oh, no, so. I, I just was very very quickly just just thank you guys. I was about to kind of joke jokingly rip into you for like, oh, so you've got your names on? I'm still on the credits, and there I was at the end going, "You are." <laughs> I love it. There you go. Thank You're you in the end. credits. You see, <laughs> we that's how we respond. We get a complaint and we deal with it. <laughs> That's the retrack way, guys. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we're here to talk about, we've had a brand new season premiere of Star Trek, uh, Lower Decks Season 2. Even for the people in the UK, we got to see it. So Yeah. We've got... It dropped quite late, though. It didn't drop till uh, nearly half 11 in the morning. Did it not? That's no good if you want to watch it before you go to work. (laughs) You want it, like, nice and early, don't you? Anyway, so we've got a brand new episode of Star Trek to talk about, and if we get time, we're going to talk about the very first episode of Star Trek. Well, kind of the very first episode of Star Trek. Well, if you're reading um, the YouTube description, it's either episode one, two, three, or four, depending on your point of view. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it was yeah, it's broadcast order, it's filming order, then there's uh, VHS release order, production yeah. order. You've got like on a Netflix, million on, on Netflix, it's episode four. Uh, for a long time in the UK, because we didn't get the cage till the 1980s, yeah. it was episode one. If you include the cage, it's episode two. You know what? <laughs> I count it as episode one. So we yeah. might talk about where no man has gone before, depending. Guys, on... I say, look, because just, just to, I just want to give you guys praise for your genius. Like you just go, I said, oh, why would we pick this one? Pick that particular one. You go, well, yeah, most recent and the first one. I go, okay, that's cool. I watched the two episodes. It's like, are you guys psychic or something, or do you just read the, the episode description? No, because well, they could no, be themed in better. They mentioned well, that we're... episode. In this well, episode of Low Decks. Well, we'd already, uh, me and James had already seen the episode and decided, and decided, oh, we'll cover where no man's gone before. So I put it on our group messenger, realised as soon as you asked me why that episode, that you hadn't seen it. So I just thought, oh, well, I won't say it's mentioned and ruined Lower Decks for you. I'll just oh. say first and last. Yeah, I thought <laughs> so that I was actually trying not to ruin it for you. I thought maybe you had been like whammied by some kind of uh, alien device which had given yeah. you glory eyes well, and shit. Well, as, as soon as you said you answered on the group message why that episode, I realised that you obviously hadn't seen the new episode of Lower Decks. So I just threw in a really quick... Yeah, I thought that was really... That was really, thinking on my face. That was really fast thinking, Elliot, was that. Yeah, nice, to not nice. spoil the episode. So... That sort of touched on what we're going to do with these Lower Decks episodes, because there's so many callbacks and things like that. 
we're going to watch the episode and then we're going to pick out a prominent episode that's referenced. And we're if gonna, there is one. If there is if one. Not, and If not, we'll be continuing the Dominion yeah, War arc. If it's, if it's one that we've not already covered, obviously, if they pull an episode that we have done, we're not going to subject you to that again. We've no. got a hundred episodes you can go back on if you want to find us talking about whichever one it is. So, well, we have got 93 that we didn't do streaming, so... <laughs> and you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna run out of references from lower decks to no. other episodes. There will be something like with with your expertise grasping, you guys have done of the Dominion War. Even like one opaque reference in one episode, you've managed to pick it out to redo. You can do that with with lower decks easily. Well, funnily enough, there is a reference to the Dominion War in this episode. There is. So we picked yeah. out um, a little clip to show. So first of all, Elliot, talk us through why this excites you so much. The start of the episode where we've got Mariner well, escaping from a Cardassian prison. Like, well, this is about a minute into it, actually. Like, we've got, we've had um, the chain of command already, <laughs> where it starts obviously with Mariner's uh, the prisoner of the Cardassians, and she does a prison yeah. break, but. Don't you think that's lovely when she's got Boimler yes. and he complains, they keep showing lights! Me lights. <laughs> they keep showing me lights! I mean, that that is always my go-to reference for another, like, you know when you, you're dealing with another Trekkie, when he goes like, I see four lights, you know, you know, like, if they get yes. that reference, everything else is cool. Like, that's, yeah. that's the go-to. And they reference that. Yeah. People. Yeah. But when we get to here and... Mariner's got this Miranda clash is stealing the um, U.S. test Macduff. But this is just lifted from the uh, Wharf of Khan. Yes, the bridge it, is it, very yeah, much so. They've done, like, how many times have we seen it? Like, DS9 did it with the Galaxy class and they had to build a new bridge and it doesn't look the same as what you used to. But here, because it's animation, they're being able to go, yeah, this is what a Miranda should look like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they've got the displays, like the that style of cars that they had and everything. It's just beautiful. Yeah. What well, I mean, what was really cool about the Miranda Bridge in Wrath of Khan was that it was the Enterprise Bridge redressed and, you know, it, it ruins a bit of the movie magic, but the fact is... Those two scenes were shot at vastly different times, and they they filmed all the Enterprise scenes on the Enterprise bridge, then redressed it, then filmed all the Reliance scenes. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's movie magic, isn't it? Yeah, but that's great. I think, I think this really highlights why, like, they can get away with taking the piss so much out of Star Trek is because they show that love. Like, yes. if they didn't yeah. show that attention detail of every single aspect of every ship of every reference being spot on. Then when they take the piss, you take it harshly because like they're just taking the piss without showing the love. Yeah, they show the love first, and then they take the piss out of stuff, which we take the piss out as fans. Absolutely, you can tell the fans doing it. And yeah, like this bit with all the ships. So uh, we've just had a Jem Hadar ship get blown up. So that's our Dominion War reference. <laughs> and then this one that comes up, I think that's a Bajoran ship. I think from when they have like, uh, is it the homecoming, the circle, the siege? They have like a Bajoran fighter in that one that Dax, yeah. Dax and Kira steal, and 
So I think that's what's going on there. I'm not even sure what that one is <laughs> that just got blown up. But yeah, that third one says, Jemadar, there's what I think's a Bajoran. Not even sure. I think it might be the one out of that whether like a war species, I can't remember. And then there's just so many, but... There's, you could, like, you could do a, a whole breakdown on this. Yeah, if you want it. and somebody They're probably has. Ships. But I you, do know somebody's going to be doing it. I saw them advertising on YouTube. Yeah. And you can bet your bottom dollar, though, like you were saying, Squee, with the attention to detail, there won't be a ship in these shots that is not, a ship that we've seen before, you know, they, they will not have just yeah. drawn a ship shape and tried to get away with it. No, they haven't. It's all absolutely everything there will be referenced. So, yeah, it is. It's the same it, thing with the, the dialogue. Like every line of dialogue, sorry to cut you off, Jim, uh, but every line of dialogue uh, is just that, that same attention to detail you see visually. Like they, they won't go a line without making some back reference, which can be just so subtle sometimes that if you blink, you'll miss it, even the most hardened Star Trek fan. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, Elliot spotted the name Macduff. I don't think that's direct to Star Trek. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, reference to Macbeth and everything, but but you do, as soon as you see the name of a ship or you see a number of a ship, you think, right, what are they going to be getting at with this? And, you know, I, yeah, well, I need to rack my brain well, to see what they're talking about <laughs> here. Well, this yeah. is um, NCC-1877, so it's 13 ships after the Reliance. Right. <laughs> you roll off the shipyard, so... <laughs> I bet there's... I bet 1877's something significant that I, I can't... Quite bring I can't it, think what it bring is. It to mind at the and minute. I've not seen anything online probably, at all this week to reference. Probably that. Admiral Bacard crossing the, yes. <laughs> you know, doing some battle, like in the past, you know, when they see all those terrible pictures yeah. of Bacard's ancestors. Probably that, a date that yeah. he did something. I don't know. So it turns out this is all Mariner's cardio workout, which I like the idea that instead of going down the gym, it's like, no, I'll go on the holodeck and I'll escape from a Cardassian prison. That'll get me my me reps and everything yeah. in for the day. I think that's a great conceit. And you used to get it with Worf, didn't you? Like, he'd do his calisthenics and his training and everything. But I like that yeah. Mariner, Mariner takes it to the next level by having a big story involved <laughs> and everything. And her, um, like, shipmate comes in and goes, like, what the hell are you doing? Are you doing this is cardio? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's leg day. <laughs> and then there's a very meta joke where she says, I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflicts, which was obviously famously that was Gene Roddenberry's oh. edict to the writers of The Next Generation, which had them absolutely tearing the hair out for the first three seasons, <laughs> that you weren't allowed any conflict uh, between the Federation characters and <laughs> it. You know, as we know, conflict is what drives drama, and it's very difficult to write drama without. So, and he yeah. kind of he did that in the original series. Like there was loads of conflict and stuff. There was, so he yeah, yeah. Himself, and you felt like he'd really, at that stage, become the problem he had to work against. So he's always working against executives, trying to sneak in progressive messages and kind of all this stuff. And then by the time next generation rolls around, they have to work around him, which is kind of yeah. He, he became the, he was actually the problem in next generation. Yeah, I think it. I think, 
I think it was that he became even more sort of idealistic as he got older. And he, he wanted this utopian vision and everything, which we all love. You know, we wouldn't be here talking about Star Trek if we didn't like that. But if you take it to that degree, it doesn't make for good TV. And that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the problem, you like, know. Yeah. It, like, what's, he, what's even sadder is the people who go on about Discovery being so woke. Oh. And you have this from the first three seasons of Next Gen that they all love and <laughs> swear so by. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. you know we we see <laughs> that. So like, like we're Star Trek fans. We like all the incarnate incarnate incarnations of it. Uh, but the, these are a hate group out there, and they're just hating on oh, you yeah. for reasons. And you go, but that was happening all the time in Next Gen, or that was happening all the time in the original series. The or... great thing <laughs> is that in 10 years, whatever the new Star Trek is, people will be saying, this is terrible, Discovery were brilliant, I can't believe you <laughs> yeah. ruined it, you know. Yeah, it's, it's people who just can't accept that. So basically, if they grow they up with something, something yeah, that's perfect, that's great. Yeah, exactly. It's like you get the same thing with Star Wars, same thing with Doctor Who. Like... Just some people can't accept any change. And as soon as there is a change, they blame stuff which was in the original products, mm. you know, in those yeah. original films and stuff. Like, yeah, all those kind of Star Wars fanboys who are complaining about the new trilogy. And it's like, well, if you watch the original films, like, I'm sorry, I think they're wonderful, but they're not perfect. Like, that scene on Dagobah could be just condensed a little bit. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they aren't great films, but the weird they is just... Uh, immortalize these kind of older properties so like next gen like you say yeah, yeah. it's perfect there was no, I mean, i'm sorry but and the star wars thing exemplifies it perfectly at how it's just the latest thing they don't like because you get these people now who go these sequels are terrible but the original six films were great and it's like no the prequels were terrible you know <laughs> yeah, it, yeah let's yeah, not you, pretend you, that they're you the spent ones 20 that years are. complaining about the prequels but now you've got something new to complain about yeah and all of a sudden yeah. the prequels are brilliant and um, anyway <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do a star wars prequel podcast uh, so the <laughs> the opening credits then so we've got a bit of a revamp on the, well, the Cerritos. Well, at the end of um, episode 10, season one, the Cerritos was getting a refit. It was, yeah. And, and we can see it here, and there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of differences, actually. Um, you can make out the torpedo tubes properly on on the top. Yeah. Uh, the bridge is more designed. Modified. I thought um, the nacelles looked different. I don't know if I'm making that the, up, but no, they've um, upgraded the the look of the buzzards at the front and yeah, the grills and plus there's there's lots of differences. But they've added navigation lights. But whoever's added them has no idea what navigation lights are because there's like. They just like alternate red and green all the way around. Yeah, the that's not how they work. Yeah, it should be uh, red should be on the left part side left, and green on the starboard right. Maybe it's to confuse the enemy. God knows. There's no... Also, you'll notice the boulders moved over to the other side, slightly bigger. Yep, there you go. Yeah, yeah. the asteroids have taken an impact. <laughs> And then in the, the battle scene, 
Yeah, this is a bit different. They've put the pack leads yeah. in from the end of season one. There's also one, um, Klingon the brain there as well. Ah, there we go. So they've beefed it I've up. I've got to say, I did. I, I'm glad you've done this, guys, because I was watching and going, it's like, it looks like, I'm sure it's the same scenes, but they look different somehow. It's, like it's, just it, maybe better, it, have they, it's they the have same, them. but they've updated it, like, improved it. That, that other one, the one we've just seen with the uh, Borg, that's got the updated, the refit serotonin in as well. Mm. And you can see on the lower source that there's more of a sort of frame that's holding the cells in place. Right. And it looks like the source would be properly separable now. Oh, you know what this is? This is they want to sell new <laughs> toys because they've just done a big deal with Playmates to do a new range of Star Trek toys <laughs> next year. And, and you can see, like, you can see on the lower the engineering hull as well is is a lot more detail to it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if either of these pictures show it, but you can also make out the two shuttle bays now. All right. So yeah, we've got Clearly. a bit more so, detail and everything. It, it it's like it's had a HD refit. <laughs> Even though we started in HD, but maybe maybe, maybe it's 4K now or 8K or whatever. <laughs> Does it? Cost extra to watch him in HD. No, sorry, that was another conversation. Probably depends which <laughs> provider you're watching on. That's the the problem. But at least we've got it this in this country this time. So uh, the B plot then <laughs> Rutherford and Tendy. So Rutherford's had this brain thing, hasn't he? That he's sort of forgot. Well, he had things. his um, implant yeah. out, didn't he? In, at the end of. The last season, and, and it's been refitted, obviously. And so now he's dating the same woman that he was dating in season one, episode one. But he yeah. can't remember that it didn't go very well, <laughs> so he's doing it again. <laughs> and, and it's going really well. Yeah, it does seem to be, until Tendy uh, gets involved, I suppose. <laughs> so wonderful. Like, I love this whole idea of, like, yeah, the... So you've got a, a sort of, like, slightly serious thing of, like, with an implant, it it can affect your mind because obviously it's it's jacked into your mind. So they talk about this genuine syndrome. So as opposed to Tandy going like, oh yeah, better just watch out for him, better kind of check he's okay. It's like, right, I must repose him plan. I must do this. She just goes kind of complete nuts, obviously, because of her feelings for her for him. Well and it's it's costing likes pairs. Yeah, that's uh... yeah. Yeah, Admiral Elliot, by the way, with your pair-based spoilers in the retreat group. Wait till everyone's seen it. <laughs> I didn't know he's going to end up hanging pairs again by the end of the episode. Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> Fucking ruin that for me, mate. <laughs> right, I think we'll put a thing up about when you can post anything about the next yeah. day. Yes, OK, yeah. we'll, we'll have an embargo going forward. Gonna, we'll have, we'll have an embargo pairs. till maybe Monday. Give people a chance pairs. to watch it over the weekend. Yeah, I know it's only about pets, but it was the last. It was literally one of the last lines of the episode. It's only the last one he says. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, Elliot. It's my new new favourite saying. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> and then we've got on the planet. Then ransoms dealing with this species, and I love this idea that they're going to assign them a number, and it's doing that thing that, I mean, now you just well, all, you sign all up it for... Is a, it's literally the radio frequency yeah, that they're going to use. But what it's, what it's taking off is, I mean, now you most people just sign up to a phone contract online and you get it delivered the next day or whatever, but I remember going in the shop and I'm showing you a big list and going, which one do you want to be your number? 
and you'd scan down there that. and try and pick out a number that's less you complicated. <laughs> yeah. So mine's got like three sets of double double numbers in it. So it's you know it's not too uh, hard to remember. But I remember them showing the list and going, which one do you want? And so we've got that going on. But also we've got we were talking about this just the other week about um, how they've got a different pad for everything. Like, they, they can't get all the data on one pad. So Ransom's got yeah. this thing of, I've shown yeah. you this list, now bring me another pad to show me the next list instead of just scrolling up. Yes, I think what they've done is, because this is something which, uh, I look, it, it's either a direct piss take from Next Generation or on Star Trek Next Conversation, which is obviously secondary to this wonderful podcast. But it's not a bad uh, Star Trek podcast, if you, if you want to listen to that one after you've listened to this. Yeah. But um, they've, they've extensively commented on the fact that, you know, it's so funny that they had such a positive in, uh, imagination as opposed to going, here's your pad. This contains all the information. They're looking through multiple pads and extra generation all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they, they, like did, they did the same on DS9, yeah. didn't they, right at the end when um, the capture Sloan at the inside his head and there's all the different plots in us. And everyone's on a different ah, but that, that you know that <laughs> yeah. that's sort of a metaphysical puzzle, you know. But but yeah, I mean, we were talking about it last week with Nog and Cisco. How he had he was giving him all the different ones. So yeah, we get a direct sort of call out to that. <laughs> and then Mariner wants to clean up the statues and everything, and she's got this thing on, which reminded me, and it might be because I've just replayed it recently, but. Does anyone remember Mario Sunshine, which was the GameCube Mario game, where Mario had, like, a vacuum on his back that sprayed water? And what you had to do was run round, and everything had, like, this gunky oil stuff on it. And you had to run round and spray it with this stuff to clean it. And as you cleaned it, it, it shone, stuff shone out of it, because the things you had to collect in the game were called shines. So you'd have loads of bits where... There's a big star covered in mud, and you'd spray your thing at it with this backpack, exactly like Mariner does, and as the mud comes off, it'd start to shine like it does in this episode. So I'm I wondering if do. I'm wondering if one of them's a gamer and they've been playing, because Mario Sunshine was recently re-released for the Nintendo Switch, so I would imagine that quite a few people played it during lockdown, and I'm wondering if somebody involved with Lower Decks did. Because it, it's uncanny the the similarity. Yeah, yeah no, no, that that, that tracks. Uh, the other thing I want to pick up on um, is the fact that I think this is the biggest ransom episode we've had yet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm blown away, and I've I've kind of like I've noticed it on the episodes where he features a bit less, but I can never hear. Um, I'm going to blank his name now. Um, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, of course. Uh, Jerry O'Connell, I can never hear his voice. No, I agree. Yeah. Job of changing his voice. And here he's got a featuring role in most of the episode, and you still can't hear him in it. That's wonderful. And he's not a voice actor. Like, you know, he's not traditionally a voice actor. Amazing. No, I agree with you completely. Yeah, I was, and I was trying to key into it this episode as well. And yeah, like you say, it's just, you wouldn't know. In fact, they probably could have got someone cheaper and got away with it, but 
it's kind of funny actually. I suppose that you put it that way. You kind of want it if you've got Jerry Connell. Yeah, Jerry you, Connell. You want to hear Jerry right. O'Connell, but no. You pay Jerry O'Connell money. You want to hear Jerry Connell. You don't want to hear random voice that Jerry O'Connell is very cannily doing. Yeah, exactly. It, it goes to him. So he gets zapped, and it's this. I love that they've given a name to Strange Energy, which is where we get the episode title from. But yes, yeah, Star Trek does have a lot of strange energy flying well, about, particularly well, in the original well, have, series. Like, well, it is. It's really clever because, like, it fits into the TOS episode. Mm-hmm. But TOS, it was it was always strange energies. The yeah. way ever explained what the beams were. Yeah. Um, TNG has been blamed, has been accused of te- techno babble, and everything adds like. Oh, it'd be a Delta, Neutron, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever thing. And these have just gone, no, we'll give it a name. It's Strange Energies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's just directly lovingly taking the piss out of the original series. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, love yeah. it. Um, and then Tendi and Rutherford, they've got this thing where she's fitted him up with all these like basically pads that she's zapping him with these electric shocks and well it looks like the cortical stimulators don't it yeah normally put one on you or maybe two at a push (laughs) (laughs) and he's got god knows how many that she's put all over him (laughs) it's really good fun but i think if i were to have a criticism of the episode it'd be i feel like we've sort of done this with tendy and rutherford a lot and I don't mind it because it's the start of a new season, so it's easing you back in. It's the here are the characters again, doing I'm stuff reason. you enjoy. So, you know, I'm fine, but I want to see him doing something a bit different. Well, well, we did end season one where he had, like, his implant ripped out and he was in bandages, and she was talking to him in his hospital bed. Yeah. And she was having to remind him about everything that they'd been through. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I don't mean I want to watch it all again. You know, I can can go back and watch season one again. You know, I'll let it go because it's it's a premiere and it is entertaining, but I I, I just want them to do something a bit I think it's one of those things that'd be nice to see their relationship move forward now. mix it up a bit. So back with Ransom then, he's, he's making zombies... He also makes no, like making, this... he's making a race of ransomites. Sorry, a race of ransomites. <laughs> and he also makes this Mount Rushmore thing of himself, which I think is really good. I don't mm. know if that is a reference to... Um, there's a... I'm not sure whether it's classed as a Voyager novel or an original series novel, um, but it's uh, by Greg Cox. And basically it starts as a Voyager novel and Voyager's flying through the Delta Quadrant and they go to a planet and they find this mountain and carved into the mountain is Captain Kirk's face and it has this weird paragraph where Janeway's going, ooh, this handsome Starfleet captain carved into the face, not written by Shatner. Um, yeah, it sounds like but, it. But it the, sounds like a Shatner type It does, doesn't it? But the, the rest <laughs> of the episode... Uh, the rest of the book, rather, ends up somehow, I can't remember how, but Seven of Nine ends up going back in time to the original series, and it's Seven of Nine on the original ship. And Anyway, but the point is there's a Mount Rushmore of Captain Kirk, and I wonder if this is maybe a reference to that. I don't know. Uh, but I, either I think, way. I think actually there might be a direct, more recent parallel, because 
let's just not forget it's still Star Trek. Star Trek can still do parallels to the real world. Of course. There was that thing. Um, I know this is a little bit dated now, but just, I mean, God, for every year, which um, Trump, I'm sorry to bring it up again, but for every year that Trump was uh, president, it seems like there was 100 years in every year. Yeah. And I think it was in one of his last years that, as president that he said about uh, – putting his face, he, he introduced a conversation about putting his face on Mount Rushmore, which instantly everyone just took the piss out of. And he was like, oh, no, no, I was only, I was just having a conversation about it. I wasn't really suggesting. Oh, of course, yeah. And I that mean, might have been since the last series it, ended in this one began. Uh, it could so it be. it might be a dig at him. It could it be. It could well be. In, in which case, I'm all for it. If you want to have a pop at yeah. Trump, that's that's brilliant. Let's keep doing it. if you ask me, I'd say probably that, that thing which Trump did was about a million years ago. Ago, you know, obviously, but with Trump, time is irrelevant. Like, it, oh, since very much Bitcoin, so. it's been such wonderful. And then, anyway. and then 2019, we got Trump and, or 2020 rather, we got Trump and pandemic. And it was just, yeah, that was about 10 years that year. It was just. <laughs> That's the exact same thing. Stuff yeah. has happened during the pandemic. I know we're all living through it, obviously, and like here, lockdowns eased, which it hasn't around the world. I do understand all that, but. During core lockdown in the UK, it seemed like the whole of that time was no time and all the time in the world. Yep, all uh, absolutely. Yes, I know exactly. It's like, like I, I'm still referring to things that happened in 2019 as last year. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I do and, that. Yet, and yet 2020 was such a long time. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. Um, Trump's presidency, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So regardless yeah, it's of... Not, it's not done any of our heads much good. No. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of podcasting done, though, and a lot of watching Star Trek. So, you know, there's benefits. Uh, Tendy then spoils Rutherford's date by shooting him, effectively. It's going well this time. And she runs and it was in, about to go, shoots uh, at him. Swimming? Incitation yeah. Ops? <laughs> I really want to see Cetacean Ops. I'm sure we will. I feel like if they've dropped that in, we're going to see it at some point. What I'd really well, like to see, it, though... They dropped it in in episode one of season one. I when feel they were like... showing the schematics of the ships. I so. feel like it's coming. I feel like it's coming. And I want... When it does, I want a cameo, even though this is from a different show, but I want that dolphin out of Sequest DSV. Darwin Darwin yeah Darwin I want him to turn up Um, because that were a Star Trek knockoff should we do Star Trek but under the sea and up they don't notice they actually advertised it as Star Trek underwater which is exactly what it was (laughs) I love love Sequest DSV but it was advertised on TV Star Trek Underwater. Did you know that? Uh, I read up on this. I read it on Wikipedia because, yeah, I can't can't find Sequest DSV anywhere and even if I could, I probably wouldn't want to watch it. But they end up getting abducted by aliens at the end of it. That's how the series ended. I was like, you what? No, 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 no. It ended Sequest DSV and then was Sequest... Uh, Yes, that was the return from the... Yeah, and it was Michael Ironside. But I still say, though... With Star Trek, it started off as Wang Train to the Stars. So Sequest DSP yeah. wants to start as Star Trek Underwater. It's just continuing the, the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely fine. But, uh, yeah, so I want to see Darwin in the Cetacean, whatever it is, room. Um, Cetacean Ops. And then Ransom's head starts attacking the ship there. <laughs> so 
I well, mean, this is uh, this is like just so much who mourns for Adonis. It is. I mean, this is the thing. It's it's ridiculous, but it's not unprecedented in Star Trek. Yes. You know, yes. it's no more silly than what we've had. We've had big yeah, giant heads exactly. before. There's none of none of this is unprecedented. What's nope. going on? We know that there's a big giant head at the center of the galaxy that's not very nice. So you know. <laughs> I mean, I know we're going to get on to uh, if we've got time where no man's gone for, but it's like it's just lovely references. Like, well, how do they kill Mitchell on that? In that instance, they just hit him with a large rock. <laughs> yeah, and it's got the the doctor all the way through. Is just basically planning to drop a big rock on him, and ultimately <laughs> yes. she does. Yeah. Um, diving into the, the serious plot points, I suppose. The, the whole point of this is that we set up this new dynamic at the end of season one, which was the captain and Mariner are going to work together. And this episode basically puts us back to the status quo that, you know what, we don't actually like working together, so let's go back to how we were, where we were a little bit more antagonistic with each other. So... They've learned to respect each other a lot more, but they've also realised that... Learned that they don't like working together. <laughs> exactly. So it ends up with that brilliant bit where, which we saw in the trailers where it's, I'm getting sent to the brig, aren't I? And she gets dragged off and everything. Yeah, in future you will do as you're told. No, I won't. I'll do what I want. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that you've got all this stuff going on with the head and it's like, okay, let's try praising him and that seems to work a little bit. But it's basically Mariner kicking the body in the balls repeatedly is what (laughs) actually sorts it out. Well, he throws up... He he literally, she kicks him in the balls, he throws up the strange energies. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, again... I I, I love... I love the fact they also they have their cake and eat it too. So they do the traditional Star Trek uh, approach to like, uh, oh, let's let's communicate with his better selves and let's talk to him in the heart, and they start relating to him, and then soon his ego ego even takes over that. Yeah. Just, uh, so they they do a bit of bait and switch. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, you'll you'll be my number one. No, number one's not good enough. I'm going to be the captain. <laughs> I yeah. like that. <laughs> I like that it offends the captain's ego for a second. She's like, no, no, wait a minute. There can only be one captain. captain. Yeah. I like that there's that element to her where she's like, I'll only take this so far, you know? Yeah. Which is very Kirkish, actually. You can imagine Kirk doing that, like, you know, playing along with someone to a certain extent. But then when they say, well, can I be the captain? Absolutely not. So I can, I can imagine that from Kirk. Um, Who's got the ill-fitting tunic here? Not you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get a very brief little bit of Boimler at the end where they're all jealous of him. And, you know, it's, oh, he must be doing so well on the Titan. And then we just get this utter, utter chaos that we see. I I really wish I could remember the line exactly, but I love the bit when, like, Riker's going, it's like, well, this jam session's going more salty than sweet. And he goes, what the hell does that mean? What yeah. does that mean? And, he, and he's right. If you're, not, if you're not into jazz, it's like, what the hell is he talking about? I love yeah, when, I, when I say salty and sweet, he, they, they, yeah, yes. I, like, sorry for anyone who remembers the line correctly, but it's like they do a reference, which I bet anyone who knows jazz 
is spot on, but would make no sense to yeah. the rest of us. But they kind of put it into a Star Trek episode as, as a little bit of quirky Riker line. I love that they've yeah. latched onto this thing of, well, we know Riker likes jazz, so we're going to have that bee's whole shtick as captain. Everything's yeah. going to be a jazz. He's finally metaphor. allowed to make everyone like jazz. Yeah, I really yeah. like that. And I'll, it was funny last season when they did it, and I love that they're, they're running with it now, and we're no doubt going to yeah. hear more of it. Like we did, I don't know if Marina's coming back for season two, if we're going to see her next week, maybe. I would hope so. I think if we're spending well, more time I, I on the Titan. So, I, know that she, I, I know that she's moved back to, she's relocated back to England. But it's it's animated, so she can send in. Yeah, and that will have been after I mean, production finished as well on this. Uh, well, after was, recording finished. I was kind of hoping in that scene you'd see just a little cartoon of her in the background. Like, even if you don't have a voice. Yeah. You just put her in there. Like, there's no, yeah. like it's animation. You can see her. Like, just at least give us a little bit of a tease of that. Yeah. I, th- I think we'll see Troy ne- hopefully next so. week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Boimler looks like he's going to need some counselling, so that that could be comedy gold having <laughs> her ha- her having to counsel Boimler before he, and then she could recommend that he gets transferred back to a less stressful ship, and maybe that'll be how we get him back. But... Yeah. Well, there's got to be some way that he gets back because he's yeah. obviously not cut out to be on the Titan with Riker. No. But do you know? I would love it if you start the episode of him being like back on the ship, and then him telling this heroic version of how he got back there, and then as he's telling it, we see the real version. Yeah, like and yeah. You've got kind of maybe Troy counseling him through it, and like him yeah, him like that. Well, but, but we we saw bits in the trailer, didn't we? So we know that there's more. Stuff there's more Titan on the Titan. Yeah. yeah, sort of like that X Files episode be, where you get aware that they're getting back to yeah. the Sotos. And it's got to make, like, it's got to make sense. He can't just go, oh, I don't like it, I want to go back. There's got to be being demoted or transferred or somebody's recommendation. Well, that'll be the interesting thing as well, because he has been promoted. So even if he comes back, he will be of a higher rank than his friends. So that'll, ooh, that'll create Amazing. interpersonal conflict, which, oof. Unless he gets demoted again. Yeah, yeah. It, it very well could do. Um, so shall we move on and talk about where No Man Has Gone Before then, which is the big inspiration for for this episode. And as we alluded to earlier on, this is it's the second pilot. So the, anyone who doesn't know, which I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast knows the story, but the cage was made, the network didn't like it, they got another chance and they made where no man has gone before and that was well, what led to sub- Star Trek being picked scripts, up. Didn't they? they did. They submitted, um, obviously, this script, Charlie X and... Mud's oh, Women. What's the, what's the third one? Mud's Women. Is it, was it Mud's Women, the yeah, third script? Yeah, should have been a terrible pilot, but... Um, yeah. But, yes. But this is... this is a, You can see why they picked this up. They wanted the sci-fi show... Isn't the man trap also in the mix? Yeah, I thought the man trap was the third one. So I'm sure that's sometimes yeah. But the man trap was the first broad episode. was the first broadcast episode. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I yeah. Yeah, I we, think it was the man trap, Charlie X, and this episode were the three three scripts. But you can see why you can see why this one was picked. 
Yeah. As the second pilot. Yeah. Sci-fi show. It's got really good, bold sci-fi concepts. It's... It starts off with, we're going to go beyond the galaxy. So I know they don't, but it's setting out an ambitious stall straight away. It feels like the start of a big mission. And it's yeah. got a bit of action. It's got, it's, it has got interpersonal conflict. So I don't know how that sli- one slipped under the radar. But I, <laughs> like, I'd forgotten how much I love this episode. I think it's so... I think it holds up. Like, obviously, you know, there are things the, that date the, it. But... The, things, the things that actually annoyed me about this episode, and it's something I started to realise, is I don't think I like the remastered versions of mm. TOS with the new CGI. I think the CGI is reaching a point now where it actually isn't holding up. The first scene of the Enterprise that we saw yeah. here, I thought it looked cartoonish. It does, but I, yeah, I think I, it was and, always and intended. It's, and, it's quite, and it's quite annoying because the model of the Enterprise, which is in the Smithsonian, obviously, which they use for this, yeah. it's an iconic model. It is. And, that, and it's like, we but, should be able to see that on but, our screen still. Yeah, well, you can if you buy the Blu-ray, but... Um, I might have to buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, that, that's got both versions. Um, but I, I think the thing is, it wasn't that the model didn't look great, because the model did look great, but the, the fact is that the, the cameras and the film that they used to film it have not weathered the test of time as well, so... I think it was easier yeah. to just replace it all with CG than it would have been I to know fix why, I know each why individual. And I've, and, I've, and I've said previously, and I'll still say it, that the CGI isn't overdone. No, it's not. In, in this, like, if you look at... Because this was done around the same time as, this, as Star Wars was remastered, and loads of extra stuff was added. Mm-hmm. Here, they've lit, it's almost a shot-for-shot replacement. Yeah. I mean, my feeling is, like, I know exactly what you mean, because I did see it, and I was thinking, it's like, this is great, and it does look in some ways more porous, but, like, the ship just looks a little bit fake, like you say. And I just got a feeling of, like, it sort of take, took away that little hit of nostalgia. And for yeah. me as well, there's some episodes yeah. which were literally Emmy Award winning, and the work which was Emmy Award winning, you can't see anymore. And I think that's the service. It's like yeah. when in um, Star Wars they replace actors. They straight up replace actors. They are now not in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they played Darth Vader once. You know, it's like that's yeah, not right to me. That's yeah. just taking think, someone's legacy of work. That's I think what really grinds me as well. I think with these, they have been a lot more respectful than the the Star Wars remasters yeah, were. Yeah, they have. True. And I think they've done a really good job of cleaning up the film on the yeah. the live action okay. scenes, and it, you know, oh, the, yeah. these episodes look way better than anything made in 1966 as any writer. Um, but it's a shame that we can't have the best of both worlds and still have the old effects as well as yeah. yeah. I yeah. would like them to have taken those outside shots and remastered them, and that's it. Like you know, yeah. they look as yeah. good as clunky as you will. But they're just the same as like when I look at the things, uh, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit. When you look when you're on the planet and you see out the windows, those painted backgrounds, they look beautiful. You know it's a painting, but it's yeah, like yeah. the imagery and the '60s feel of yeah. it. I I I feel like I'm there somehow. Yeah, yeah. I know I have. It, 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 it's a nostalgia thing. 
I had a note it, it, specifically to talk about the matte paintings because this is something that's a lost yeah. art in the age of CGI. But I remember when I was a kid and you'd see a matte painting, whether it's in this or it's in the original Star Wars or Flash Gordon or whatever it is, you knew that it wasn't real, but you also knew that within the language of film, that means that there's a city there or whatever. And you accepted it. You know, it didn't have to look photorealistic. You just yeah. knew that that's how things looked in films. Yeah, and, it, and that's something we've lost now, that it, the attitude now is, well, we can make it look real with CGI. And, and, and the unfortunate yeah, thing it, is most of the like time, no, you can't. With Star Trek, because it's reaching a stage now where the CGI isn't looking good. It's looking cartoonish, so it isn't looking realistic. Mm. Like when That's it was okay. first done, yeah. because of where CGI was, it 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 had the appearance to you mm -hmm. of looking better. Yeah. I don't even think, think it did then. To me, it's kind of like right. So when you're looking at these episodes, you're looking at someone's vision, someone's almost dream, if you will. Like especially yeah. those matte paintings in the background, they're so beautiful, they're so wonderful. And I feel like I'm there because I'm inside that person's dream or that person's vision. When you look at those opening shots, now you're taking someone else's dream based on their dream or their vision based on mm -hmm. their vision. It's the vision of the early 2000s, whatever it was they yeah. did, those CGIs. So it's going to date to the early 2000s, which I, I love like dating to the early 90s or the 90s with Next Generation because that's when it was filmed. And you're taking yourselves back to that mm. place. Yeah. And when you're watching it, even if you weren't born then, I wasn't born in the 60s, but I'm taken back to what obviously they felt was the future in the 60s. Yeah. I don't want to be taken to the 2000s for a 60s thing. Yeah. No, and there's something as well, and I, I don't mean with what I'm about to say to disrespect anybody who does digital art because clearly there's a hell of a lot of talent involved in doing that. Yeah. But for me personally, I don't feel the artistry in CGI as much as I do in practical effects like Ray Harryhausen or like with these matte paintings, there's something that feels much more tactile and much more uh, artistic building, to it. Like, how, how big is the Smithsonian Enterprise? About two metres? I don't know, because when I last went to Washington, they took it away for a month, gutted. But... But it, it's an absolute ginormous model. Yeah. I, it's something ridiculous, like, I think yeah. it's 11 foot long. Yes, something, something like stupid that. like that. And it's done like that, so you can get the so the camera can come. I mean, because say what you will about seeing and all that, and, and it's a still like it's carved out of wood. Basically, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's the original Enterprise. It's not like what the what they were doing by Star Wars, where most of it's plastic model kits. But they carved this thing out of bloody wood and hollowed it out to put lights inside and motors. And by and large, even though um, I'm yeah, again like like. James says there's there's a skill to doing CGI, and I'm not speaking against it. If you're watching a film, you'll be somewhere, even if you don't notice it, there'll be a background or something with CGI, and you'll never notice it because it's done that well. That's fine. But when you're talking about models, it feels tactile because you can touch it. It's something mm. you can touch. Yeah. There's still something they've not managed to do yet with CGI where you feel like you can touch it because, like, Thanos looks great, but you know you can, can't pat him on the back. Yeah. No, absolutely. 
And I mean, they'll, they they inevitably will get there, but we're not quite there yet. But um, so CGI aside, then there's I mean, what I find really interesting about this, and we have talked about this before, is you know the original series was finding its feet and it was establishing a universe, and there are things that are inconsistent, like the whole premise of this episode is this business about ESP. And we never hear about this in Star Trek again, but yes. the, <laughs> the society that we're presented with here is, oh yeah, you know, every human has an ESP rating and some people are stronger than others. And, um, yeah. and that's the way it is. Yep. And, you know, as, if it's your first episode, your world building, you go, okay, that that's obviously what's going on in this world. That's fine. Never again, never touched on. Yeah, I mean, the same thing about pilots. It's like when they tried to do a, a reboot of Doctor Who and they had Paul McGann and they referenced that the Doctor suddenly half-human. Never mentioned again. Nope. They just roll on past it. They, they've accepted that's part of canon stuff. He is, yeah. was a Doctor and everything. We're just going to ignore that part of it. I, I'm totally good with this. It's such a central part of this episode, but it, it is taking a completely different direction for yeah. all the Star Trek. It, it, just suddenly... Yeah, it's a very different show if all of a sudden the majority of humanity has some degree of ESP, but yeah. interesting. I would have liked to have seen what they might have done with it. I mean, this is what I like about this episode because you do have the best of both worlds. You have got that feeling of Star Trek and you see how they've laid up so many things which they will use here on out. But in other bits, you've got like some very lazy kind of like exposition where like they're playing uh, chess. So like mm. Spock has to put a line about it's like, well, given that one of my ancestors was half human, I like he was human. I am half human, just in case you don't know it. Uh, and then like bits like that. But then you get other bits which are just glorious well, about like, where they kind of find their feet of what Star Trek is. So you've got like them with the uh, ray guns, which are real kind of forbidden plant style. Yes, ray guns, they are. As yeah. And I'm so glad Star Trek got its own feel and own look. Well, but well, I kind of lot... Star Trek through the prism of traditional 60s yeah. kind of like, well, well, you can see it sort of like was like we know this is like the second pilot, and then the first episode was the mantra. But you can see like there's a progression from the mm. cage where the uniforms have become slightly more brighter. Yeah, still but you can also see like you can also see the captain's chair still has the table lamp yeah, it attached does. to it that yeah. it's broken to. It still has them. Um, they still have the same view screen from the cage. <laughs> yeah, rich. Yeah. Um, Everything's just a bit more analog. Like you know, you've got like when they have a tap, it's just a little tap on tap. Yeah, it's not, yeah. yeah. And, and it 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 alters. By the man trap, there's even there's more more done to it. Like the colours become even brighter in the uniforms, which we've spoken before about previously. And the bright uniforms in Star Trek is literally CBS or was it NBC at the time? Yeah, literally went to them. We want bright uniforms. We've just spent half a billion on colour TV and colour cameras because it was a new technology. Yeah. We want bright colours to show it off. Yeah. And that uh, and that is literally why the Star Trek uniforms are gold, blue and red. Yeah. And because you know, they wanted bright colours. As another example, look at the 60s Batman show, you know, that yeah. 
you know, it, between Star Trek and 60s Batman, it's a wonder they want more epileptic seizures in the <laughs> the 60s, Probably. you know. But it was, yeah, like, it was a very expensive technology for the TV studios to adopt. adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the exact figure. When we talked about it previously, I looked it up, and I'm sure it's somewhere around half a billion. Yeah. That they spent for this new technology <laughs> to be able to yeah, have color it, TV to everyone. If you look at the uh, black and white episodes, the stills, like the photo depicting color, like a lot of the sets they can be like, or and the outfits they can be a faded pink or a faded mm. green because it represented and it came out better on black and white. Yeah. And when they went through Next Generation, I'm sure you guys know this, but like the only reason why they flipped the colors for command is because. Uh, they thought Patrick Stewart looked better in red. So they just yeah. go, oh, one of the future is red, is command. Yeah. And, and that's which, interesting which about... Which it where there were... Where somebody was... I'm, I'm trying to remember which uh, TV series it was. And somebody was literally... They were meant to be pale-faced, but they were painted in green makeup because of how it looked on the camera in black right. and white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know a, a, a recent example that's done the rounds on the internet, and I, I don't know if it's been photoshopped or not, but I like to think not. Is uh, Robert Pattinson and um, Willem Dafoe did a film called The Lighthouse, which is in black and white. And Robert Pattinson's outfit is sort of an old sailor's outfit, and he's got a cap and he's got dungarees yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the picture that's been leaked in colour he basically looks like Mario because he's got blue dungarees, a red T-shirt, so it shows up better in black and white, and he's got this cap and he's got has. a tash. And... Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, talking of colours then being a bit weird, Sulu in blue, which obviously we don't uh, get again. Well, well, this makes a lot of sense, actually, Sulu in blue, because that's the science department, and we know it's interested in his botany. Yeah. And we have um, Stamets... In Discovery, mentions his friend on the Enterprise. True. Into botany in the science department. Soon he transferred well, departments, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean that's the I like that. that's the fan explanation, is it? In, in this no, one, no, but that that fits into it. Does. And he's uh, he's a mathematician in this one. It's Sulu. Give me the maths oh, of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know the the one Asian character they've got, and they get him to maths? Yeah, but <laughs> I think I think what <laughs> clearly happened. What clearly happened in between the episodes is that we like this George Takei fella. We don't need a mathematician every episode, but we do need someone to fly the ship every week. So let's yeah, move yeah, in. Well, you've kind of, well, it you've was one of those choice. things. Want it like. They got away, they did away with number one, which was Michelle Barry. Yeah. They said, you can't have a second officer who's female. So he brought, he brought an Asian in, mm-hmm. which was pretty much unheard of as a main sen- oh, as a central at character that time. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. that time. Mm-hmm. So he got yeah. George Takei. There was a lot about uh, Leonard Nimoy with Spock. There was a lot from the uh, religious South in America because he had pointed ears. He looked oh, like the devil. Yeah. Even more so like in this episode. In the background. And, and fair play to Roddenberry, he kept him in, and he ended up being a fan favourite. Yeah, I so, think so. It went from the studio going keep him in the background to suddenly we want more of. <laughs> yeah, I think there was definitely a thing of like you get the archetypes in this, and there's either one or two things going on here. 
either kind of like uh, Roddenberry kind of uh, used all this clout he could just to get a female on the bridge and an Asian on the bridge and a guy who kind of looked a bit like. But my point was like, I think that then when it came to the dialogue where they go, it's like, right, Asian guy can do maths. The woman could be hysterical. He's going like either one of two things. Either Roddenberry went, well, yeah, sure, we're still in the 60s. Or he went, oh, for Christ's sake. Okay, if that's what I've got to do to get them on the screen, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one or the other. I, I, yeah, I think it's a sort of a 50 give a bit, yeah, take yeah. a bit. A couple of other like details I want to pick out. Um, Gary Mitchell talks about, uh, you know, the, him and Kirk sort of talk about the past and. He says, oh, well, I, I pointed that lab technician in your direction. He says, I nearly married her. Do we think that's Carol Marcus that they might be talking about there? I never picked up on that. But you know what? I yeah, it up could on... be. Yeah. yeah that, make, that's... that makes sense. That's a really good pickup. The other thing of the same thing that I picked up on was that they mentioned that he was in Lieutenant Kirk's um, class in the academy. Now, Heck, if I remember correctly, from certainly my extended like uh, mythology of Star Trek, mm-hmm. wasn't Kirk like the youngest Captain Starfleet at mid twenties? Yeah, yeah. So when he was teaching as Lieutenant Kirk, what is he ten? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he no. I, th- I I I thought he meant that he, he came through the they went through the academy together. No, no. He said he was that, in his class as if he was the teacher. Yeah, it was certainly presented as if he was the teacher. Maybe he went oh, back. I think, and I, I think a few that up. Like he was in his class, and Kirk was finishing top of his class. Mm. That's not the reading I got from it. Oh, Maybe. Right. I, I, I've read that completely different then because I no, got. I, I've read that he, as. I've read what? that as that uh, Mitchell and Kirk went through the academy together, and uh, yeah. Kirk was top of his class. Because I forget the name of the class, but he said, I was in your astrophysics class or whatever it was. And I don't think mm. you worded that if you were in together. You go, oh, you know, when we were in that class. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah it implies that he was teaching it rather than, yeah, interesting. I mean, you can't yeah, retcon, I, I, actually. I, I, I appreciate that retcon, but... We'll have to dig out his yeah, autobiography I, I, again. I'd have to watch it again. At, because I've always, I've always assumed that we were just in the same class together. And, yeah. uh, and I, I like the thought that, that you've got Shatner and Nappies teaching the class. Yeah. <laughs> Another one I noticed is when Kirk used his um, little thing to announce everything over the ship, Spock just starts talking while he's doing it, and you're like, hang on, Spock, calm down. You're, you're over the town, aren't you? You know, it's like Kirk's going, okay, we're about to go into the barrier, and Spock well, comes on, Captain, we're fucked. And it's like, shh, Spock. <laughs> well, well, it's quite like. It's quite interesting is this episode as well with Spock because Spock is up and down of having mm. emotions and not yeah. having emotions. And it's only his ancestor rather than his mum was human. It's implied yeah, that but, it's, it's well, not have it, direct. You have it in the beginning with the chess and, and uh, Kirk says you played an irritating game and he goes, irritating? Ah, yes, one of your human emotions yeah, yeah. as if he's thinking what it is. And then you have him later on in the episode, he smiles and then you have him shouting up as in shock about things. And yeah, and he's so got... He's, the, he's sort of like non-emotion to emotions, a bit airwire. You can see that they're still working on the character. Yeah, he's yeah, much more it. sort of hardline Spock. Like, okay, here's your recommendations. Yeah. You either strand him there or you kill him. Nothing else. 
Because I think that's a thing. I think, um, like, in, in answer to, like, the thing about the ancestor, I actually like the, the idea that Spock would talk about his mum like that. It's going, well, one of my ancestors, it was your fucking mum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know. To be fair, I, I'm with Aid on this. I could see yeah. Spock talking yeah, about Yeah, we know Spock keeps saying one of my ancestors because she came before him. <laughs> and the other thing, I think Elliot Spawn, there is a thing where they're developing the character. I mean, like, I love the fact that in the pilot, he actually laughs and he's very emotional yeah. and then yeah. when you've got the, uh, the when they reuse it for the menagerie when they yeah. go into the courtroom and they reuse the scenes from uh, the cage so they won't waste, waste that footage they show a bit where he's laughing and then it cuts to Spock in the courtroom it kind of like Kirk looks a bit surprised yeah. and Spock just raises an eyebrow well, it's a lovely little nod to it yeah well it wasn't it wasn't that they were not wasting the footage it was that they were behind in production time it was like I the Menagerie is, sure. is, is a season filler. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both because I'm sure they mentioned in one of the extras, which I'd seen in the past, that they yeah, like, no. a, yeah was a production filler, but also just budget on these shows. Yes, we need, like, we've got an hour's footage. Yeah, this, half. yeah it, it's a mixture of everything, but the, yeah. we're falling behind in production for getting them out on a weekly basis. So they yeah. did a, a two-episode thing using the cage which was a failed pilot that then went on in the Menagerie to win all sorts of awards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to sci-fi, which is sort of like shows, um, it sort of shows up the network for sort yeah. of dismissing it as rubbish, but it also sort of uh, highlights that the network could see something in Star Trek. That's why it got a second pilot. Yeah. Because if there's anything they knew at that time is that the cage would never see the light of day. No one's going <laughs> to see that episode. Yeah. Never. So, well, it did take about 20 years, didn't it? Till it did, oh, before it, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, they kill him by dropping rocks on him as we, as we find out. Anything um, else? Uh, yeah, uh, Kirk changes his name between this episode oh, and the next yes, one. Yes, he does. By default. Yeah. Which you can't blame him because um, James Romeo Kirk mm-hmm. doesn't sound <laughs> right. <clears throat> and he thought, right, I'm captain now. I don't like this Romeo name that I've got. I'm going by Deepole and I'm going to be known as James Tiberius Kirk from yep. now on. Cannon fixed. <laughs> I think it wasn't meant because it's James R. Kirk. I believe it's meant to be Robert because that's the name they used to Robert April later. Mm. Yeah, it Robert is. was always the, the, the name they love. It is. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm just throwing out a fan cannon to fix things. But would have been wonderful if, if his first middle name was Romeo. That would be so cool. That would be good. Uh, but, It'd be so fitting. But I just wanted to like, I mean, you guys have already picked up on a bit, but I just love the idea that, again, You've got the uh, female characters, so hysterical. Like, they finally managed to do some good by putting a female on the bridge, and then they make her very hysterical. And when they're... they're so walking, refrigera- go, walking refrigeration unit. And when they, they're fighting, <laughs> oh, who should we put back down the panel with that guy? Oh, let's put the one person who sympathises with him, who seems to be involved with the agenda. And then meanwhile, Spock's <laughs> like, just kill him, kill him now, that's fine. Which kind of echoes back. I, I've never put it together before, but I think they picked that up for the Star Trek reboot in 2009, because Spock's suddenly like, yeah, we'll just ditch Kirk on a planet. Yeah, and, like, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Isolate him on a planet. Uh, another one picking up on maybe the women not being strong. 
in the best light is you've got the sequence where they're going through the barrier and there's the random yeoman on the bridge and she just holds Gary Mitchell's hand as they're going through it and it's like he's comforting her as they're going yeah. through this thing and he's just holding her hand. And it reminds me of um, in Airplane where you've got that bit where there's the woman sort of stood behind Ted Stryker and she starts just rubbing her hands all over him and it, <laughs> it gets sort of more and more vigorous the more the worse the turbulence gets. <laughs> You know, it's oh. it's just silly, but there you go. That's it was what it was, wasn't it, in the sixties? Well, let, just, let you remember the sixties is before political correctness. <laughs> I just want to check in one other thing as well, because it was beautiful. There's one moment with Scotty as well. And this is one of those wonderful flashes where you see like Scotty in this moment could be in any other episode. Because he's there just like he's going like Hey, fit that thing which he said about, and like he sounds so scary, he yeah, sounds yeah. so confident. You can see the character that's going to come from it, and he does a wonderful moment which you can play in a TV show today, and it would not be out of place. The wonderful joke where he goes like, um, "Oh yeah, send down those death lasers that you asked for," and then so he goes like, uh, "Coke's like, we didn't ask for any death lasers." Spock just walks past the yeah. with the death laser. It's like, <laughs> thanks, Scotty. Yeah. It's like, that's just, Perfect. <laughs> a, this... And they play it so subtly. Like now, that would get so overplayed, but they just do it like it's not a thing, which is yeah. wonderful. There's a lovely moment with Scotty as well when the ship starts getting better, when it starts powering up, and he just has a little smile. And you know, you can see like that's Scotty's relationship with the Enterprise in a nutshell, and it's there in his very first appearance. <laughs> it's oh, my baby's feeling better, yeah. you know, when it yeah. starts powering yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm loyal to the Enterprise. Yeah. Not the captain, not Starfleet, the Enterprise. Yeah. No, this... I mean, it's actually... It's really nice because the the, uh, the three main crew members which are featured here, which go on, you've got Kirk. You can definitely see Kirk in him. Spock, okay, they need to round off the edges, but it's definitely Spock. And, um, and you've got Scotty, and he's definitely Scotty. The one which I'm actually so pleased that they managed to keep through from this because I didn't give him too much to work with as one thing he does, does is George Takei. Yeah. He really gets to be maths boy for yeah. some things. But he and is obviously obviously, so obviously something they must have seen in him in this. Obviously we don't have Dr. McCoy yet. No, we've got this no, Dr. Uhura. Piper and Noah Hura, yeah. So there's still some way to go before it's Star Trek, Star Trek, but... I do really enjoy this episode. I can it, see... It, it, it's good fun. You can watch it and you can see why you fell in love with this show in the first place. You know, there's so much charm to it. And and I don't mean that in a, a negative way. Like, I'm not sort of placating it by saying there's charm. I think it's a very good bit of TV for all its faults and all its old-fashioned um, sensibilities at times. I do still but, think this is an impressive bit of television. Like, like, to be fair, this held up as, like, this held up. In fact, it still holds up, but it held up as being able to be repeated on a weekly basis right into the 80s. Yeah, later, probably. And all that, and, as, as, uh, until you start to get CGI, this because it was models and matte paintings, mm. it was so well made. I know it... Some of its ideals might be a bit dated and that by the ages, but it still held up as something you could watch. Yeah. 
Oh, what, what? Sorry, one other moment. Just I promised the last one, but there was just one other moment. It was where they've got they finally break through to Mitchell, and he's like there in the cell, and his eyes kind of go to normal for a second. And he goes, Jim, and then Jim turns to, to Spock and goes, Look, he seems to have returned to normal for a moment. His eyes are returned. We might be able to get him through to him in this book, <laughs> yeah. or Spock doesn't tell him either way. And it's like by the time they turn back into all this exposition, his eyes have gone back in. Yeah. When that's faced him, you could have tried to talk to him. You could have gone, come on, come back to us. Come on, like, like you're our friend. <laughs> just they blow no, the time. Just you just gotta explain <laughs> you got to explain it for the audience, and by the time it's you've done beautiful. that. Yeah. No, it's I mean it's great. It's great fun. Um yeah, yeah. I think that, that'll do us then, I think, for where no man has gone before for now. But um Next week, then, we've got episode two of Lower Decks and whatever rabbit hole that leads us down in terms of <laughs> other episodes. Yeah. At this stage, it could be absolutely anything, but that's the that's the fun of it. Uh, before we go, we have got a little tiny sliver of trick news. And all it is is that uh, we know where Prodigy and Strange New World's going to be shown. Uh in certain areas in the UK, it's gone to Sky. Yeah. So if you're in a country that's got Sky, they have got Paramount Plus. Yeah, which means Star Trek in the UK will be split between Netflix, Amazon, and Sky. So get saving your pennies. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you want to let us know what you think of that or anything else, uh, we're on. Oh, how do you know what you think of that? Well, they have said that they have said that it's going to be Paramount Plus is also going to be available on Android devices, which is uh, TV sticks, everything, which sort of you probably can subscribe to it through yeah, Amazon. Uh, it's going see. to be available on iOS. Yeah, we'll so, see how that shapes up over the coming months. But I think they've definitely said like so. Sky is, it's five countries, I can't remember them all, but it's the UK, Australia, Italy, I think Germany, and it might be France, but I might I might not have the last two correct. <laughs> we'll find out. But uh, definitely in the UK and Australia, it's on Sky. Right. <laughs> So if you want to let us know what you think, uh, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com or come and join us on Facebook. Dr. Squee, what have you got coming up? Oh, just quickly, also tune into uh, Retrek Model Studios on YouTube, fantastic channel. Uh, but guys, we've got, um, like, first of all, just another plug for um, Squeefest the third, which has got, of course, Retrek amongst other wonderful shows. And we so far confirmed... Uh, Sophie Aldrin, Ace from uh, Doctor Who. We've got um, uh, Una McCormack, who's the fantastic writer who's writing for Star Trek, yep. Doctor Who, Firefly, any kind of sci-fi problem you can think of she's written for. Uh, and who's the other guest? Sean Kelly from uh, Storage Hunters. And this week on the Doctor Squeeze show, uh, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m., the Bear.live, uh, we've got uh, our friends from Talking Cods Wallopper joining us, and we're going to be talking a bit more about their involvement in Squeefest and all things Talking Cods Wallop. Fantastic. So thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good night.